Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. Featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest Team Building Podcast. Hey, what's up, you guys? Jeff Cohn here with another episode of the Team Building Podcast, where we interview top team leaders, broker owners, and thought leaders from across the country. Today, we have a very special guest who's not only a thought leader and consultant, but also the broker of the number one realty executive office in the world. They just did over $3 billion in sales volume last year in Phoenix, Arizona. They have over 800 agents. Welcome to the show today, Mr. Eden Sunshine. And that is his legal name. We're going to ask him to pull out driver's license today. Eden, what's happening, brother? Thank you so much. You know, the day that I met my wife and I told her my name was Eden Sunshine, she acted, it was over 25, 26 years ago. She said, yeah, let me see your ID. And you know what? I conveniently covered my date of birth because I had a few years on her mm. at the time. So she didn't realize. At the time, I think you still have those years on her, Eden. <laughs> I still do. She hasn't. Well, you know what? I just decided that I'm going to be her age now. If anybody asks me, you know, hey, I'm 49. And I'm going to stick with it. That's it. I love it. Well, it's really fun. Um, a, a lot of our guests, sorry, audience members don't know, but as a guest jumps on the Zoom link when we start to do this recording, a lot of times we haven't met before. And in this instance, Eden and I have not had an opportunity to meet in person. We've seen each other's content, but never actually have had a chance to talk. So typically I'll spend the first 15 minutes ideating and then the next 20 to 25 minutes recording the podcast. And it was so funny. Eden and I were so natural in our conversation at the beginning and we were getting into content. And I was like, dude, we need to just start the recording. So here we go. We just right, started. Right. Let's just dive right in. You know what? I was afraid as soon as you said we're running live, I was going to freeze up, you know, but I know you were recording or uh, Dana was recording before we got started. So maybe if it really sucks, just pull back. To yeah, there you go. Just earlier, you know? And honestly, like, I, dude, I had this idea where imagine if like, if you have a college football team or a pro team that you follow, how cool it would be if you spent an extra $25 to listen to the coach at halftime and like camera in the locker room and you get it raw. I think there's so often times where people are like, you know what? I don't want the scripted podcast. Give it, give it to me raw. And that was something when we launched the team building podcast in 15, we've recorded now almost 200 episodes. I wanted the conversations to be authentic. And so I don't send my guests pre pre questions or, you know, we don't, we don't plan out how the conversation is going to be. It's completely off the cuff. Nothing we're about to talk about, ladies and gentlemen, has been planned. This is all just fun. I love, I love it. You know, and you said something so, so relevant. We, we do a lot of trainings for our executives, for agents. And we had a training just recently on, you know, how to use social media, you know, effectively for generating leads. And the two gals that, that facilitated that were talking about, you know, being authentic in social media. And so often we get up there and we're like, you know, we got to put our best foot forward. And both of them have been so successful in their careers, just being so real and raw. And one of the things you challenged the group that was, uh, they challenged the group to do was post something immediately after that was just authentic and raw. And this is what I said, I, I did it too. And I got on there and I said, for 20 years, I've been a consultant and I've had to present myself as having all the answers. And the reality is this, I don't have all the answers. I've never had all the answers. I've had good ideas and good thoughts 
and good concepts to base on. But the only answer I have is that we're constantly in this state of learning. And it was it was like a big weight off my shoulder because people walk in and say, okay, tell us the answer. And we're like, I don't know. You know, the things I, I do today, answer. you know, and, and, I'm, and I'm okay admitting it, you know, yep. because we're it's all just trying to learn. People gravitate to authenticity. And that doesn't mean you have to get out there and confess the world and air your dirty laundry. It just means be a real person. Um, I find, and I track every day on all the posts and going live on Facebook, uh, the engagement that I get with my audience. And of course, I want engagement to be high, but I also want it to be high value. And I find the people that follow me the most love content that shows me in my natural state. So like I was in my hot tub with my son, Levi, who was 11, uh, two weeks ago. It was negative 25 in Omaha you would have died coming from Phoenix and his hair, he has red hair and he looks like a chia pet and it was getting icicles all over it. And I said, dude, let's go a couple more minutes. And I kept putting water on it. I was like, let's get a big icy head and then I'll go live on Facebook. And it's gotten over a thousand views. So people don't want to hear us talk about our business and the last client we serviced and all the success we're having. They just want to see our head get icy. They want to see a slip and fall. They just want the real us. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. You know, because then you feel like, you know, I, I, I always uh, laughed about like the shows, the um, uh, Jerry Springer's and the Sally, Jesse Raphael's and all those mm-hmm. kind of shows. And even you're going Raphael's back, guys. What's uh, that? Ladies and gentlemen, if you were born after 2000, referencing talk yeah. shows that existed in the late 1990s. Sorry. See, I'm aging myself, aren't I? So maybe I'll you're good. I, I know it. So you're not that bad. Okay. The, the, the younger, I don't even know what younger audiences are, but. Um, but you know, even some of the reality shows up out there, they're looking for people that, uh, the consumer can look at and go, you know what? They're pretty messed up. I guess my life is okay. hundred percent. Right. And so, you know, we've seen it like in the church world, we've seen an evolution of the pastor in the three piece suit and they, you know, they, they mm-hmm. had their falls and stuff. And now you just see the guys getting up there and they go, you know what? I got problems too. Every movie, every TV show, a lot of public, average Joe public and Joe public don't understand, but every character represents typically what the person, the viewer watching embodies in some way. A lot of times there will be a character, there'll be like four or five and you'll choose, oh, I identify with this person the most. And then there's always the character that's just a complete train wreck. And I think that character exists to make us feel better about ourselves. Right, right. So... So I'm exploring the the idea of as the CEO of Realty Executives really presenting myself as a train wreck so I can get more buy-in from my team. So, but, you know, I mean, the fact of the matter is, you know, team communication, team building is really, really important. And, uh, you know, I find myself from time to time standing before our, our staff. We've got about 35, 40 people that are working to support our executives here and presenting the rosy, wonderful picture of all of our success. But the reality is this, they know that we are broken too. They know that there's opportunities to, to make things better and fix. And, and I was just preparing my agenda for next week. And, you know, and I was going to ask them the question, you know, if, if life is supposed to be easy without struggles, conflict, pain, adversity, if, the, if anybody believes that what life, that's what life is all about versus it being riddled with challenges and opportunities and disappointments, but also we have moments of joy and happiness where we, you know, hopefully come together as people to resolve conflict and issues and be, you know, work together and really present the truth of what we're experiencing here or what you experience in any business, you know, 
And, and I have to admit, as a business consultant for 20 years, I took the position, even our USP for our, our business, uh, which is called Level 7 Development or Level 7 System, was making your business and life work for you. And I, I have to admit that we kind of painted this rosy picture that the goal of the process is to build this perfect, infallible business. And now I'm willing to confess that I, 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 I forgot to add something that you often will hear Navy SEALs say, and that is you have to embrace the suck and because that's part of the journey. And at the end of the day, what I've resolved is that I do aspire to build something meaningful that, that brings life to people, but I understand that life can come in the midst of adversity. And if we can bring people together in those times, that's what it's all about. And at the 100%. end of the day, it's, it's showing up in our best possible way. So, 100%. yeah, but it's the hard. Growth, it, it's hard. Growth is not, yep, growth is not um, realized by going through something easy. Um, it reminds me back in 2016, Omaha puts on this charity, Omaha's version of Dancing with the Stars, which is a show that shouldn't age me. I think it's still airing today, but this is Omaha's version, right? And I decided to dance. Um, I'll skip a lot of the details, but I trained 12, 12 to 16 hours to finally get there. Finally did the dance. It was a minute, 30 seconds. I ended up winning the entire competition, but it wasn't about winning the competition. I actually didn't want to perform. It was horrible. I weighed 320 pounds at the time, was in front of 5,000 people. I've never danced before. And it put me through this really, really horrible experience because it put me in a, a, an area where I wasn't comfortable, where I wasn't going to be the winner, where I didn't feel the best you know, about myself and my public image. And I was embarrassed. I didn't want to do it, but I chose to do it because I have three children. I know you mentioned a child of yours earlier. Um, at the time, this is five years back. So they were probably 10, eight and six. And every day I asked them to put themselves in uncomfortable situations. And what I find in life is we, t most people take a path of least resistance. They do all these new things and all these new challenges. And then they graduate high school and they say, I want to do whatever's the easiest. I want the easy job. I want the easy rent. I want the easy lawn care. I want the easy everything. And so I thought I would be a hypocrite to not take the opportunity to stretch myself. So I'm grateful I did. I'll never do it again. But I, I have the experience now. I get to put it in my pocket and say, okay, that sucked. And it's the whole embrace the suck. But nobody that achieves at a high level gets there without embracing some type of suck. Yeah. And, and I think the, the big... Uh... You, you hit the nail on the head and you talk about this generation, you know, maybe even been brought up with this idea that everything is supposed to go smoothly without effort. And social media has had a big impact on that, right? Everybody presents their best side, which is why I think it being authentic, um, you know, in how we present ourselves as business people and as humans, um, you know, gives, you know, really builds credibility and the freedom for people to be themselves as well. And they mm -hmm. connect, you know, one of the gals that did this, this social media presentation you know she's got some tattoos on her arms and so on and so forth and and um she was at a conference and she got inspired by a gal that was kind of mentoring her and she was at this conference and she, i guess she had a booth or set up it was for something to do with the residential real estate mm -hmm. and this gal says to her why are you wearing this sweater it's 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 warm in here and she goes well i don't want people to see my tattoos i don't want them to see all that and she says girl take that thing off and let people see you for who you are and as yeah. soon as she did that her business blossomed like she got you know she gets on social media and she cries about the challenges she has with her kids and and she That's experiences awesome. the joy that she has with her clients when they close or the difficulty she has you know navigating through the transaction and people go she's real mm -hmm. and, and i think it's I, I think it's really really hard because 
you know, I come from a generation that, you know, we're, we're supposed to put our best foot forward and everything's supposed to, you know, we, we've got to be strong and, and capable and, and not have any weakness. And, you know, I remember, I remember reading about uh, Michael Dell when, when Dell computer was struggling with the business and he reached out, they were about on their edge of bankruptcy. And he went out to uh, his vendors and to his staff and said, we're in trouble. We need help. And, you know, can you help us out? And it was amazing how people embrace that authenticity instead of that's awesome. Everything was wonderful. Well, and how about right now where, you know, you have a restaurant industry that's just been completely crushed by COVID. Mm -hmm. And I am seeing people respond by saying, hey, buy local, go support delivery, support these certain areas and different communities. And um, I think it's key to be willing to ask and not be so proud that you can't. And I think it's hard right now for agents. Everybody on the media talks about the market being so great. It is a great market if you've been in the business a long time and have a strong sphere of influence and you can get someone to list their house and sells in a day and multiple offers. But imagine the brand new agent. Nobody talks about this. How is the brand new agent surviving? Good luck converting an internet lead at the same rate we were converting 10 years ago. When I got in the business, 2007, 2008, 2009, it was, there were 10 times as many houses on the market. It was a seven, seven months worth of inventory. Houses didn't sell. You only wanted listings to get signed calls. Buyers was where the money was at. And yeah. now it's been a complete shift. It's the opposite. And I think it's a struggle that a lot of people don't want to talk about because they're embarrassed when the market's so great, they think they should be doing well. Really, you're only going to be doing well in the area that you're good at. Yeah. So the agents that are good at engaging their sphere of influence and have been in the business a long time, they're going to be awesome right now. But I think a lot of agents are struggling and to your point, non-admittedly struggling in the business. Yeah, it's really tough. I mean, we've had, I mean, I was talking to one of our top executives uh, earlier today, and he said that the bloodbath out there, I mean, Phoenix has got, you know, 4,000 homes in the entire county, you know, available, which is, a that's insane. Was guys, it, ladies and gentlemen, they have, you have 40,000 agents in the Phoenix area, don't you? Uh, yeah, something like that, 40,000 or so, you know, so think about that. There's 4,000 listings and 40,000 agents. Yeah, And it's, you know, the, and, and the appreciation of the homes is just no inventory at all. And, yeah. you know, we, We've been advocating here for quite some time. You've got to retool your business and to get listings and create the market, create a market for yourself. And people are starting yep. to make that shift. But, but to your point, what are the new agents doing? You know, we've seen a mass exodus already in the last mm -hmm. you know, 12 months of people getting out of the business. But we have also a record number of new people getting into the business. Right. Because the market's so great. No one's telling them this is the worst time ever for a new agent, unless your brokerage has a focus on new agents. I wanted to ideate around this really quick, Eden, um, be it that you are a business consultant. I, I know you don't just primarily work with real estate teams. While you, you do work teams, you work with entrepreneurs. And it's been my belief as a leader of agents over the last 10 years after launching our real estate team, Omazli Real Estate Group, it grew to be the number one team in the world at Berkshire. So we went from 70 to over 700 unit sales a year in just six years. And then we launched a real estate franchise inside of Keller Williams in 2020, KW Elite. Mm -hmm. And it's been my passion to be able to help someone based on what their goals are. And I find that there's three groups of people. And you asked me before we started recording a great question that I'd love everyone else to hear. And the question Eden asked me was, do you ever recommend to someone wanting to build a team or someone that's already started building a team to back up and not have a team because of their their skill set. And it's an awesome question. I'll answer in a little bit. Um, but what I wanted to focus on was to be a solution for everyone. And what I find is the traditional brokerage is a solution for the dependent 
and interdependent agent. Um, there's not really an independent option. And what I mean by that is an agent comes in to join the brokerage. The brokerage isn't really set up to help the brand new agent. And so the agent joins a team, right? So they need the dependency. They need someone to help them. They need a mentor. And then once they've graduated out of that, they need some interdependence where the brokerage allows them to run their business how they want to run it. And a lot of brokerages that I've seen don't have a recipe to help agents learn how to run a team. They just really kind of want individual agents. Um, that's what I'm seeing as far as most traditional brokerages across the country. But where I think we've taken it even a step further, and I'd love to hear how Realty Executives has um, addressed this, is we want agents to have complete autonomy. So when they get to a point where they know how to read a PL and they have all the leveraged positions, and it really just becomes a function of lead gen, um, accountability, processes, coaching, et cetera, and they just need more agents to plug in, how much autonomy will that brokerage give them? Um, how much control will that franchise continue to retain? How much commission percentage will they have to continue to dole out even though there's not value following? And so that's been a really big push on our end. And we're calling it the indie model or the independent model where any brokerage anywhere in the country can attach to our hub, our hub providing lead gen, um, accountability, coaching systems, digital marketing, virtual reality, all sorts of stuff. And then there's just a minimum fee that they have to pay us to be part of that experience. Um, in Omaha right now, it's $50,000 a year. So an agent can take advantage of everything and the most they'll ever pay us is 50,000 a year. And that's pretty compelling. When I came from Berkshire, I gave them over 180,000 from the 6% franchise fee that they charged me. And I was looking for an independent option and I didn't wanna have to come over to start a Keller Williams franchise to have it, but they simply didn't offer it. And I didn't see it across most traditional brokerages. So would be curious what your thought process is on that. Um, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. There's a lot there. There's a lot there. So, so just a little background about realty executives. Cause you talk about independence and you talk about coaching people up and, and talk about teams. So what a lot of people don't know about realty executives, we were actually the first hundred percent concept model started in 1965 by Dale Rector. We have a very, very, um, rich heritage and history in innovation. You know, he was a guy that was working with you know, one of the 50% split companies and, and uh, they got irritated with him because he closed an open house because as somebody said, you know, came in and said, I don't like this floor plan. He says, I got something else for you. And he took him over there and they closed the deal and they yelled at him on Monday when he turned in the contract and they said, you never close an open house. He said, this is ridiculous. So he started the first model of hundred percent and went out to some of the top agents in, in the Phoenix area and said, do you want to be a part of this? And literally the way the brokerage worked is they said, we will divide up the expenses of the brokerage on a monthly basis based on the number of people that we have here as agents. And you keep 100% of your commission. Now that's evolved over the years because, you know, with seven, 800, you know, at one point sure. we had 1600 agents. Um, you know, it was really, really hard to divide it up and it didn't seem equitable. Um, Phoenix is wildly competitive now. It's probably one of the most competitive markets um, yep in the country as far as fee structure is concerned. But we do take, uh, and so our heritage is built on attracting and, and developing the best in the business. Our USP is not, and we call our USP is where the experts are, but we really kind of been playing off of the brokerage built to support the best in the business. Mm -hmm. uh, when somebody would come to Realty Executives in the early days, they couldn't even join the brokerage if they didn't have at least two years of experience you know, wow. six or 12 transactions. So that has evolved too. And we have a mentoring program now, and you kind of hit on that a little bit that um, you can't join the brokerage unless you go through the mentoring program. Love it. Just flat out. I, we don't Dependent. care. You know, 
you know, if they're brand new, right out of real, de- real estate school, yep. newly licensed, you're going through a mentoring program. And we just got some interesting statistics that first year agents in the market were outperforming every other brokerage by 25%. And the I guy that it. gave us the statistics says, how do you explain this? And I said, <laughs> it's because everybody has a mentor yep. for a period of six transactions where they literally handhold them. They show them how to, you know, and everything is very, very intensively uh, focused on lead generation, how to get a prospect in front of you. And because everybody wants to talk about the contract and stuff, it's like, it doesn't matter. In real estate school, I never heard one time anyone talk or teach. And I took my classes at college, in college. No one ever talked about lead generation. No one ever talked about a PL. No one ever talked about lead conversion. All they talked about is the laws surrounding real estate. They didn't teach yeah. you how to do it. So they walk in the door and you go, so, so now that you've got your license, what do you do? And they shrug their shoulders and they go, we don't know what we're going to show you. And yeah. so once they've gone through that, though, our model, because of our history, has attracted people that want to work very independently. So, you know, other than ensuring that there's compliance and following, you know, sure. the commissioner's rules and things like that, we give our executives a lot of latitude to run the business that we want to run. They want to run it. And our model is we kind of look at the people on a continuum from they just got out of school here to they've got 45 years in the business. And there's a whole lot of stuff that can happen in, in between there. Sure. And so we our, our desire is not to say, we're going to walk you through this, but we're going to equip you in the beginning and then we'll meet you where you are. So I have executives come in 25 years in the industry and they say, we're ready to start building a team. It's like, okay. And you know because of my background in helping people build teams for entrepreneurs and for realtors, I kind of have become the go-to guy as far as coaching around that. But I asked them the converse, you know, the question, is this really the right thing for you? Let's, right. let's talk about what your investment mentally and logistically is going to be. You can't say, I've started a team and expect to bring people in and ignore them and not give them the investment in time like we would do with our mentoring program um, mm-hmm. and expect to get any good results. So um, I talk a lot of people out of it because they really think that it's the thing to do, but it's really not. It is kind of trendy, isn't it? A lot of people feel like they need to get there. And I think they're getting there for an ego reason. They want the award. They want the trophy. It's not about taking, you know, helping people. And so I'll oftentimes now to the answer of the question, which is an awesome question. Um, When I know someone's not the right fit, the first question, first thing is you can't tell them that they shouldn't. Obviously, I want them to choose to not. And so I'll ask them what their goal is. Why do you want to have a team? And if their answer isn't to help other people become better versions of themselves, and in so teaching others to become better, I'm going to become a better leader, which it's not going to be that as the answer, then they're probably not ready yet. But leverage is key. And a lot of people that think they want to build a team today, if you're an individual that hasn't started your team yet, the team doesn't need to be a Jeff Cohn team or an Eden Sunshine team with 800 people. A team can be an admin so that you're no longer dotting I's and crossing team teeth. Um, a team can be one buyer's agent just working all of your buyers that are under half a million so you can focus on the higher ones. The right. goal, in my opinion, is that each of us should always be scaling up, leveling up and learning to become the best version of ourselves so we can make the most amount of money in the least amount of time with the least amount of energy. And we should ask ourselves every 12 months, look back and say, did I do the functions that made me the most money in the least amount of time with the least amount of energy? You're at, you hit the nail on the head and you're absolutely right. It is about that personal growth, which we talked about 
you know, earlier. Um, it, it's about, you know, one of the questions I ask folks is, you know, and you ask them why you want to do it. And I ask that same question that it always, some of them that have been in the game for a while and are doing well, they will answer because I love to develop people and I want to help people become mm. best versions of their self, which is a fantastic answer. Um, but the other question I ask people is this, what work do you really want to do every day? Where do you want to spend your time? How do you want to spend your time? And so many of them will say, I want to be in front of the consumer, not necessarily buyers. And you, you know that probably the most prolific agents out there, and at least the teams that I've worked with over the years, are listing agents. They are the guys that focus on listings. Those are the people they want to work with. They want to be the rainmaker. They want to be the marketer. They want to be out there forefront, but they don't want to be doing paperwork. They don't want to be doing transaction management. They don't necessarily want to be out showing properties. So the answer to the question is, what do you want to do? I don't necessarily want to be a leader. I don't want to necessarily have to be engaged in systems development and culture development and meeting with my team and mentoring all that. I just want to create an opportunity where I get to do what I love to do and I'm good at. And so maybe the answer is exactly what you just said. Get a great TC, mm -hmm. admin support, get a great buyer's agent working with you, and then you can do what you want to do. And you're probably going to make a lot more money. And every year, I think if they're if they're wired the way we are, which most people are, you start to get bored of the mundane. You start to look for the next thing. And I think a lot of people struggle because they're not sure what that next thing looks like. Just speaking to our exact sentiment here, um, you come on as an, in, an um, admin in Omaha, Nebraska, you're going to earn anywhere from thirty dollars to $50,000 a year. So you look at how much are you earning per hour, probably around $15 to $20 an hour. If you're an agent working 40 hours a week, um, let's say you make $100,000 a year, that's $50 an hour. If you decide to not work buyers and just focus on listings and you're going to work that same amount of time, I bet you'll make $200,000 a year. Now you're at $100 an hour. But what I found as I built and scaled the team, and this is the Team Building Podcast, was that each agent inside of my organization on average would sell 29 units a year, would earn $75,000 net per year, and each agent netted me around $20,000. So now I had to ask myself, do I go on a listing presentation? presentation where I can make 20K today once every 11 years that they sell with me? Or do I go on a recruiting appointment where if that agent chooses to join my organization, I'm making $20,000 a year forever, as long as they stay in my world and my world is big yeah. enough to provide them value. And now I'm meeting with brokerages, looking at partnering with brokerages that have hundreds of agents that want to be fueled by our technology. And I needed that growth path for myself, but that's not the path for everyone. So I loved your point pick which seat on the bus you want to be on. Patrick Lencioni in the five dysfunctions of a team speaks to that ideology. And it's important that we are willing to look at ourselves so that we know what seat we want to be in. But don't think the seat you choose has to be a permanent seat. Oftentimes for people, especially high Ds, you're going to constantly be looking for right. a new seat. Yeah. And I think it's important to recognize that where you are today is certainly going to evolve as time progresses. So you might discover that that person that gets that two-person team goes, you know, what's the next level for me? You know, what's the next thing? And they, they've grown as a person or they recognize that, you know, there's something else that they want to give back. We get a lot of our top executives opportunities to do the mentoring. That's why we got the mentoring program. It gives them that outlet to give back when they want mm -hmm. that without that commitment to, you know, that, you know, I, I have to be doing this on an ongoing basis. It's become my career. But I think you hit on something that's really, really important. It goes to the conversation about authenticity. And that is being very, very careful and not getting caught up in this is what I think I'm supposed to do because what everybody's telling me I'm supposed mm. to do, right? 
And years ago, when I first started my consulting business, it was back in 2000, I think one of my first clients was a gal that was an attorney. And she had just started her own practice and she'd come out of a big, you know, one of the big giant law firms here in Phoenix. She loved working in the firm. And I was talking to her about, why did you do this? And what do you, what's your vision? And, and you know, what, you know what, what do you want to get out of this? And, and after we talked for a little while, she said, you know, I really loved being in the big firm. You know, um, I, I enjoyed, I love the people. I love the camaraderie. I love the banter. I said, well, why did you start the business that you're in now? And she said, because everybody said it was kind of the next progression. Mm, very and and I, I have to tell you, it was the shortest consulting engagement that I'd ever had. We had <laughs> Go ask two, your job. I, I, I talked her out. And she, I, you know, after, after our second conversation, I said, what are you going to do? And she says, I'm going back to the law firm. And that's awesome. Because it connected with authentically what she, she didn't want to create that. She mm-hmm. wanted to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, I, I say to people really get in touch with, and you said the same thing, get in touch with why are you doing what you're doing? And it can evolve, but be yeah. authentic to where you are today. And if you feel compelled that, hey, I'm being challenged to do this because I want to explore this next level of leadership, but understand that in order to go there, you're going to have to let go of something, right? Yep. And when I say to somebody, in order to do this, you're going to have to let go of that lead. You're going to have to let go of that buyer that, you know, you've done business with for years and you're going to have to turn it over. You're going to have to let go of your time and say, I'm willing to invest, you know, four hours a week per person in development, whether that's in system development or training or mentoring or whatever it is. I'm going to have to let go of that time that was mine. Uh, So there's there's a price to pay, but if you feel truly unauthentically compelled to move that direction, then you go for it. And... You put the numbers to it too. You know, if money is a relevant part of it, because most people that start teams, if they're doing it right, they're probably going to take a pay cut. Mm-hmm. Got to take a step back to take a step forward. 100%. We yeah. teach that exact same thing. Uh, if someone wants to download it, I give out a free download of our business plan, which is exactly what we did to grow. I believe we're the fastest growing real estate team in history, going from 70 to 700 sales in just six years. If anyone can beat that, send me an IM or an email and we'll send you a hundred dollar gift card to the re- gift card to the restaurant of your choice. Um, but one of the biggest things is giving away this business plan. A lot of agents have taken advantage of it. It's free. Go to jeffsbusinessplan.com. Also on the heels of that, would love to invite anyone that got value out of this episode to give Eden a shout out on iTunes. Give us a five-star review. We're working on getting over a thousand reviews on the podcast on iTunes. And then also I wanted to extend an invitation to anyone listening to attend one of our upcoming events. We have our big annual team building summit in physical person. We are doing it in May in Omaha, Nebraska, downtown. It's going to be an awesome two-day event. All the details about the event are on our website, which is the team building summit.com or just go to elite real estate systems and click on events. Eden, what's the best way for someone to get in touch with you? Edensunshine.com. Edensunshine.com. That's easy enough for people to remember. And I know, Eden, you would extend your consulting services to the right types of team leaders or individuals seeking to build teams, I'm assuming. Yep, absolutely. Business owners. Yeah. And obviously you guys heard from him today. Um, We are aligned on everything we talked about. You've been an amazing guest. We absolutely would love to get you back on the show in the future. And we just really appreciate you coming on today. Thanks for having me. This is great. Hey, you guys are doing amazing work. I, I would love to talk to you about an idea of the management list business model someday. 
So, because I'm sure you've got a lot of structure and a hierarchy, hierarchy, you're working on some um, here at Realty Executives about flattening that, that hierarchy, that model and the flat organization chart. And it's interesting as technology advances back to that independent model, you start eliminating all the middle level necessities of a franchise, of a region, of et cetera, et cetera. Even physical office space, EXP has proven that. And so I have a lot to say on that topic. And I think anything that exists, you know, Grant Cardone wrote the 10X factor. The people living today over the next 20 years, there's no 10X, it's 100X, it's 1000X. Technology allows you to grow faster than ever before in history. If There's gonna be more billionaires in the next 10 years than there have been ever. And that's because technology allows you to reach everywhere, every corner of the earth. Yeah. And it's a really unique experience and opportunity for those that choose to embrace the suck, embrace the tech, <laughs> and take your business to the next level, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much, Eden. You've been an awesome guest today. I really appreciate you coming on. Take care.